Hey, Cameron. Yeah, Miles? Have you ever heard of Repo, the genetic opera? Ooh, so I finally get to see this movie. All right. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Friends of the podcast, welcome back to Inconceivable Media. I'm your host, Miles, and this week I show Cameron the horror film Repo, the genetic opera. And yes, it is an opera, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, all right, well, I'll leave you to it. So, Repo, the genetic opera is a 2008 film directed by Darren Lynch Boozman, with the screenplay music written by Darren Smith and Terrence Zidunich. This story takes place in a future where Geneco holds the power of life through their genetic organ transplants. The head of Geneco, Rati Largo, portrayed by Paul Sorvino, is on his deathbed, but is not interested in passing the company to any of his children. Luigi, Pavi, and Amber Sweet, portrayed by Bill Mosley, Nivik Ogre, and Paris Hilton, respectively, are your typical fail children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, he is interested in the daughter of his late girlfriend, portrayed by Alexa Vega. But there is a catch. She's not his daughter. Shiloh is the daughter of Nathan Wallace, portrayed by Anthony Head. <laughs> Anthony Head and Marnie Wallace. So this is a horror movie. Well, I would consider it more of a horror-ocra. Mm, okay, yeah, I can see where you're going with that. It's, this is a movie that I am going to say outright, uh, it is very gory, bad gory, not like bad gory. Uh, how would you compart, uh, how would you car- categorize this compared to Dead and Breakfast? I would actually put these right on the same level. Yeah. Okay. All right. That That's what I thought. <laughs> like the gore is not like actually good. And there's some people who get very squeamish when they see bad gore because oh, it's just yeah, not it's, really yeah. the portrayal of what's going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I you know, see. I, I, I just give everybody that warning right up. This is a this is a bit of a gore fest. And I I honestly feel that that kind of makes sense. I didn't realize that it was going to be that kind of gory going into it either. I just kind of knew Repo the Genetic Opera, and I was like, oh, so this is, you know, repossession of body parts and things like that. And I guess I was right. (laughs) I just did not expect it to be this. So before we get too far into it, Cameron, did you like this film? Um... Uh, no, I, I didn't like this movie in the sense that I would gladly go and watch it again on my own. I did not hate this movie. Um, so if someone else asked me if I wanted to watch it again, I would not, you know, stamp my feet and go, no, no, we're going to watch something else. I hate that thing. Instead, I'd probably be like, hmm, you're okay. Not my first choice, but I won't say no. Okay. Uh, well, since you keep calling this a movie, would you say that this qualifies for an opera? Because it does it, proclaim itself it, to be an opera. I mean, it has operatic. It has operatic <clears throat> elements, 
Um, but I would not classify it as an opera the way I have been taught of what an opera is. But um, there are, then again, there are operas that I actually do on stage, which some people would probably say, well, that's not an opera, to which I go, yes, well, you're right, because it wasn't written in the 1700s or the 1800s, and it wasn't done by Mozart or Rossini or any of those other guys. You know, times change, things do change. So that's why I say that this has operatic elements, but I feel it's kind of more just kind of a hodgepodge of musical theater in that way. <laughs> So I wouldn't strictly call it a musical. I wouldn't strictly call it a rock opera. I wouldn't strictly call it a, an opera. It is a musical experience. Ooh. I think I think that's a better way to qualify it. I think it that's a good way musical of it. experience. It's a pretty good way of putting it. Okay. Uh, then lastly, the last question I ask is: Would you recommend this to other people? Um, yes. I think I would. Um, I I don't think I would highly recommend it, but I feel that I would probably recommend it to any of my music friends, just uh, especially if they're more into weird films. <laughs> I think that this would probably be something that I go, hey, you want to try out, want to watch something that's just kind of weird? And, you know, has music in it, <laughs> has singing. <laughs> does does a lot of it classify singing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that's something that we can talk about, you know, more in depth when we get to the spoilers, I think. But uh, yeah, I, I, I would recommend this to people. Um, I don't think I would recommend it to a lot of people. More because of the fact that... You know how people recommend the new Cats movie because it's a spectacle and you just need to watch it because it's horrible? I would not recommend it to people in that way. I would recommend it to people in the same way that I would recommend something like Rocky Horror Picture Show. Although, I will say this, Rocky Horror Picture Show, I think, is a better movie than Repo. Well, I think you're biased. <laughs> okay, and that's fine. We that's all okay. Have, yep, everybody has their own opinions. I mean, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I understand that uh, the way that I watched it isn't the way that you're supposed to watch it. Because you are supposed to go in theater with everybody and oh, participate when in their, the when, experience. Yeah, when they're throwing their toast and <laughs> stuff like that and... All those other things that you're... All those interactive things. Exactly. And that's stuff that I never actually did because I watched it just at my house. So did I. But so, I didn't have that. You know what? I guess I know what we're going to be doing when they allow theaters to open again. We're going to go watch it at uh, the local theater. Cause they yeah, there's a couple theaters that actually mm -hmm. play it here in Edmonton. Yeah, yeah. It's always a Halloween thing. Mm-hmm. But that's a We're different thing. We're going to go into the spoiler territory now for the Repo, the genetic opera. So mm -hmm. maybe watch this movie with a little discretion. Uh, and we'll see you after the break. Yep.
So, now that we are now in the spoiler territories, let's talk a little bit about this plot. Uh huh. It's kind of a simple one, wouldn't you say? It's pretty simple. Uh, once again, we find ourselves in a gratuitous or a grotesque future where you can save yourself from organ failure by buying replacements thanks to Geneco, not related to my dad's company. But if you can't pay them, the repo man will come and reclaim them. Right. And in this case, Nathan Wallace, you know, Shiloh's dad, is the repo man. And it turns out he's been keeping Shiloh cooped up her whole life because he's afraid she will leave him otherwise. Doesn't have a lot of confidence, I guess. To the point where he's actually been poisoning and gaslighting her about how sick she actually is. Wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> Are you telling me that Rotti was actually telling the truth about that? I, I thought he was gaslighting Shiloh at also. Yeah, Rotti was gaslighting a lot of people, actually. Uh, everybody's gaslighting everybody in some way, shape, or form in this show. Right. Uh, but he did actually say from the wheelchair... Yeah, it's true. I've been poisoning you, and I'm a terrible person for it. Please forgive me. Wow. And then, you know, Rati goes and kills him, too. And Well, okay, I guess that was after the... Yeah. Anyways, you can understand my confusion over this, because, like you said, everyone is gaslighting everyone in this story. Yeah, except for Blind Meg. She didn't yeah. gaslight anybody. That's true. That's true. She was too pure for their mm, perverted world. And so, of course, she dies because Rotti cuts her line and she dies on stage, which is not something I aspire to as a singer myself. Why not? Why not die doing what you love? You know, there's dying and doing what you love in kind of like maybe you have a heart attack on stage or something. And there's dying doing what you love because you do a death scene where someone's supposed to stab you and they actually stab you with a real knife. Something about Bird Box and he shoots himself on stage? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, that is, no. I, I don't really aspire to be something like that. I mean, yeah. Anyways, so... Like I was saying before about this being an opera, right? Or do you want to talk about something else first? Uh, let's talk about this being an opera. It's fine. Okay. I, All I, right. We're going to go. We're off script now, everybody. <laughs> Put your helmets on and get your knee pads <laughs> straightened up because we're off script. Uh, let's do this. <laughs> so when I was saying before about how I feel that this has operatic elements uh one of the big things for me had to do with the way the songs were done especially some of the more longer form ones where i just sat there going yeah this definitely feels like a lot of operas that i have been involved with things are going on and they're getting they're going on for way too long and they probably should have stopped earlier but we're going to keep going because we want to hear people sing and the super hyper dramatic aspect of it is pure opera. Like when we get around to finally covering some opera operas, I mean, I, I could show you like Tosca or something like that. And that is effectively the same as this, except for the fact that um, instead of 
Shiloh living, uh, Shiloh dies in the end because Tosca, who is the titular character in that, she dies and it's all tragic and everything. You know, in operas, you have either a comedy or you have a tragedy. So in a comedy, generally speaking, people don't die because that's not funny. And then if you have a tragedy, pretty much everybody dies. There might be maybe two or three people of the principal cast that don't die. Everybody else dies. Sort of like what happened here. Yeah, very true. Okay, that makes <laughs> sense. I get that. Yeah. So Personally, I don't mind it when my comedy mixes with tragedy. No, no, I, think I, it, I think it, if it's done right, it can blend perfectly. Sure, absolutely. Tragic comedy is a thing. Um, but as far as operas go, you generally don't, you don't do the tragic comedy because I don't know. It's just not something that's usually done. There's probably some out there that might be in the standard rep, but no one does them because not enough people know about it, or it's not something that's popular enough that people are actually going to want to go and sit down in a theater for three hours to watch. Makes perfect sense. You got to be really careful when it comes to programming what operas you're going to do because otherwise no one comes and you spend all this money to make it and then all of a sudden you have to close up shop because you have no money. Yes, of course. Something that I guess maybe wasn't a problem for this film considering that it cost them, what, did they even break double digits for this budget? So the budget for this movie was actually about $8.5 million. I'm surprised. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. That is a fair amount of money because I'm pretty sure Dead and Breakfast was like maybe one. I'm going to look that up right now just you... because I'm I'm curious. I I feel like Dead I feel and... like we, we talked about it and I, I mentioned it. I feel like we did mention it, too, when we had when we were covering that for Halloween. Um, I definitely remember that that one was like, yeah, the, the budget was budget. the budget was half a million. Okay, so they didn't even break a million for that. No. And hmm. Now, there are a lot of similarities between these two. So if you have seen uh, Repo and you haven't seen Dead and Breakfast and you like Repo, you might like Dead and Breakfast because the art style that they use for in-between oh, yeah, scenes right. is very similar. Yeah. And uh, in my opinion, the overtop dramaticness is also in Dead and Breakfast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's but just that's... a little bit more comedy. Yeah, I was just about to say, I'm like, but Dead and Breakfast is so much more of a comedy. It's true. So uh, let's let's get back on topic here. <laughs> uh, so I again... Just... So it had a lot of money that was spent on $8.5 million. It's well, a pretty I mean, decent chunk of change for, I mean, uh, for a production that's not necessarily like A-list actors in that. Um, like so there are yeah, some pretty big names in here. There are there are no names for sure. I mean, we've got Anthony Head and Paul Sorvino are well known kind of char- well, Paul Sorvino definitely character actor has well known for doing kind of mob stuff and other kind of police gangster type roles, which means he just fits perfectly for this role. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he did that. He just fit like a glove. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And then uh, Anthony Head, so I recognize him. I don't necessarily know from what, but I definitely know I have seen him in stuff before because he's you know, he's got one of those faces. And then uh, some of the other people, obviously, we've got Paris Hilton. Um, Sarah Brightman is, well, she's more known because of the fact that she's a singer because she was the original Christine in Phantom of the Opera. 
um, and a whole bunch of other Lloyd Webber stuff. I guess that's what happens when, you know, the guy who's writing the musicals marries you. Yes. Just keeps casting you in the lead roles. I mean, to be fair, she has the chops for it, so she deserved those roles that she got. But then there we have Alexa Vega, who I was wondering why the heck that name was familiar. And then about halfway through the movie, all of a sudden it occurs to me. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's Carmen from Spy Kids. Wow. This is not your normal Carmen anymore because she's 17. <laughs> oh, God, that song was so cheesy. It was so cringy and she's a little skeleton in the back. So, again, so <laughs> some of that stuff is why I sit there and I go, this has operatic elements because it has things in there that I'm just kind of like, everybody's got to have like their own song. But again, that's also why I say this could also just kind of fit into just being a musical experience because I can think of a whole lot of other maybe not so great musicals that also have similar songs and numbers like that. Anyways. Did you find news for Anthony Head for where I might recognize him from? He's in everything from like Buffy the Vampire Slayer to uh, Merlin. Oh, and, okay. Like, he, he's in basically everything. Okay, so that would explain why I've seen him around. Yeah. But perhaps maybe just didn't necessarily recognize him. I mean, I've seen a couple episodes of Buffy here and there, and I'm pretty sure I've watched a little bit of Merlin as well. Those are not shows that I have necessarily sat down and watched an entire season of, though. But I recognize them. I think the only people in the main cast that I didn't necessarily recognize would have been uh, people like uh, Terrence Zdunich as the, uh, as the, what was he? Oh, he was the grave robber. Yes. Um, and then there were a few other guys in there that I was just, well... Uh, say, for example, um, Bill Mosley as Luigi Largo, I guess the normal one of the three kids. <laughs> I mean, he... I wouldn't... Normal's the wrong word to use. Yeah, he's the one that's, <laughs> like, not modifying his face. Right. He's still modifying himself. Because he... when he takes his shirt off, you can see the that's scars. That's right, that's right, yeah. But he's not messing with his face, like, mm-hmm. uh... Like Pavo or uh, Amber or Amber Sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, because you decided not to watch the movie, those are the uh, the sons and the daughter of Rotini. Of Rotti. Of Rotti. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that, in theory, should be the heir to the company, but he doesn't want them to be. So I don't. So was there actually a resolution to that? Yeah. So who the heck becomes the? G- Wait, was it actually Shiloh becomes inherits Gene Co? Or no, does it, she does... left. Oh, um, okay, all right. Amber Sweet became the right. sole heir. Okay, and uh, the two brothers are going to be sort of the enforcers for gotcha. the Gotcha, I see. Okay, and that was kind of made right. point because uh, Amber auctioned off her face. That right, fell off. of course. Uh, right, the yeah, iconic yeah, 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 scene from yeah. this movie. It's the one th- reason why everybody talks about this movie is because Paris, Paris Hilton's, Hilton's face falls, falls off. off. In the middle of a performance. And, of course, she gets booed off stage because... I don't I don't even know why they would boo her off stage. But I guess they boo her off stage. And uh, <laughs> so she decides that uh, because she's the heir, she ends up selling... Or uh, she keeps the company, but she auctions her face off. Right. To, to sort of be like, hey, look, 
we're being different. We're, we're growing up. We're a new company. The face is coming off. Right. We're no longer going the... Uh, you... So it did say in the end, though, at the right. end of the yeah, credits, yeah, yeah. That, uh, uh, the, three, the top three bidders for uh, Amber Sweet's face were they killed, got killed by uh it was luigi kills them <laughs> by right? luigi kills them yeah and, and then uh, pavi, pavi is the ends one up getting yeah pavi yeah. ends up being the one who gets the face and right. he wears it yeah because he's a weird freak like that right so pavi uh is portrayed by nivek ogre or you know i think he is uh in the cast listing he is just ogre who is also someone that i am not familiar with in terms of who they are but I wouldn't necessarily say that these people are A-listers, but you don't necessarily need to be an A-lister to give a great performance. Uh, it looks like Ogre's in a whole bunch of uh, he like a strange, horror? like horror, like oh, okay. that, like slasher kind of movies, like things like uh, Scream Park, Two Thousand One Maniacs, oh, uh, Queen okay. of the Blood. Oh, those! Uh, oh, they, the Devil's Carnival is like another horror, thing he was horror in. fest type films, right? Apparently, he was also in RoboCop, though. Really? Yeah, I don't know exactly who he was supposed to be. He was probably just was, a nameless person. Wait, um, uh, I guess yeah, or he might have been like one of the gang members or something, or maybe a police or one of the cops. Uh, he must have been like a gang member or something. His name isn't popping up in the uh, hmm. in the. Uh, robocop cast like the the front cast right so right so he, he was probably like jack black in Waterworld. oh right because everybody okay. always forgets <laughs> jack black was actually in Waterworld, and he actually has a couple lines in there and does some performances gotcha gotcha well okay um <laughs> which is actually one of my favorite roles that he's done really yeah i feel like that means that you're not a fan of jack black oh no i i love jack black especially okay. with tenacious d but it's just he delivered a very much a subtlety to his role. He wasn't uh, like over the top bombastic. Bombastic that uh, he kind of uh, no, I shouldn't say bombastic. He's he's a little too over the top in terms of his acting style for me. Mm-hmm. In in his newer stuff. Okay. Uh, but back then he delivered a solid performance, and I think he like he did a great job. So very similar to his role in Enemy of the State then, right? Absolutely, yeah. He was awesome in that one too. I totally forgot about that movie actually. That one also has... King Kong was also pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He very much had to be a... Oh, man. Whenever I think of King Kong, I always think of this... um... I remember there was a, a website that I used to frequent when I was younger. I think it was called like the the cutting room. No, no, I don't think it was cutting room floor. Um, but oh no, I think it was like the editing room or something. It, it basically, there was a guy who would write um, like joke scripts for films, uh, for popular films. Um, and back when Cracked was still around, actually, I don't know. Maybe Cracked is still around, but. You remember the website Cracked, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this, so they would often feature maybe one or two of those scripts for like maybe Star Wars Episode 3 or um, like one of the Hunger Games or, you know, one of the like big movies of the year. Um, he basically started it because Armageddon was so horrible that he had to write a, a mock script just absolutely tearing the things to shreds. 
And As so, he should. Yeah, and so then he just kind of kept doing that with films over time, and I'm pretty sure it still exists. Uh, the yeah, I'm pretty. I think the editing room is the name of the website. Um, but now there's a whole lot of like there's a community that br- grew out of it, and so there's like lots of submissions from other people and things like that. Anyways, they the one they did for King Kong. Uh, sometimes they don't change out actual lines from the film because they're just you got to keep those in there and so at the very end it's jack black who's like after all it was beauty that killed the beast um because i guess apparently it was the girl's fault and so the reaction the response to that is that she says actually i'm pretty sure it was you because you're the one who put him in a cage and brought him over here and then he's like who did you think i was talking about when i said beauty take it rage and then there's a tenacious d scenes <laughs> over the credits okay that would be pretty amazing <laughs> oh yeah i Oh, yeah, it would be great. <laughs> but anyways, back to Repo. I will say that if I ever had the chance to play D&D with uh, Jack, Black, Jack Black, I absolutely would. <laughs> yeah, there's a few people. Did you know Vin Diesel is like super into D&D? He made a movie. Oh, that's oh, that's right. I keep forgetting about that. And then, I don't know. And then they, they made a class specifically for him, and that's an actual D&D class, the Blood Hunters. I, I keep forgetting that that was like literally just... Jesus, man. You got to keep up on to date with your TTRPGs. <laughs> I keep forgetting that that literally was because of that. Well, let's get back on topic here and start talking about G- <laughs> Repo the Genetic Opera. Repo the Genetic... You know, okay, so the setting for this, I really like it. Um, I actually, I was down for the story and everything that was in there. I absolutely loved the aesthetic that they went with where all the posh people are wearing like these 18th, 19th century, like Victorian era clothes. And then everyone else who's just poor basically looks like they came out of a rave and they're all goths. Okay. So a goth rave, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it worked. Why does it smell like Depeche Mode here? (laughs) (laughs) It worked. It worked really well, I thought. Personally, I've always liked the gothic... uh... That look? Yeah, that look. It's very uh, distinct. Uh, When I was actually in England, I went to a uh, goth shop. Oh, yeah? I checked it out, and I walked around, saw everything. And, of course... Um, the way I dress is actually extremely gray man. And, uh, it's to the point where like, when I walked into that store, people just thought like I was, you know, a, a, a a raver or like a goth, like a, a, what would you call that? Uh, a gothic sort of person, Mm -hmm. but I dress normally because it wouldn't suit for my work. Right. So of course everybody came over and like, Oh, did you check out this concert and that? And I'm like, no, I'm not from here. You're like, like, oh, huh? so what are you you're talking about <laughs> this is the first time hearing that. And like, so what kind of music do you like? Oh, I listen to everything. And then they're like, wait, you're not actually like a goth person. And I'm like, well, I like the aesthetic in that, but I don't I don't use I don't dress in that that much. I'm not part of that scene. Yeah. But, you know, but, you I know, like good for you stuff. guys. And I listen to a lot of the music, too. But uh, like I'm I dress so gray, man, that when I was in Berlin, my dad lost me and I was right beside him. 
Like he was looking around. He's like, oh, sh- oh, crap. Where did Miles go? Where is he? Where is he? And I'm standing right beside him. But I blend in with everybody. And I just I've always done that. I've, it's just been my aesthetic. <laughs> I wonder what the reactions would have been towards you if you'd gone into like a golf shop in Germany, though. Uh, actually, I went to a um, an awesome thing that's actually kind of very similar to Repo. So it's yeah. actually still on topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called Monster Cabinet. Oh, I don't know if you've nice. ever heard of that. I've heard of Monster Cabinet. So for those of you who haven't heard of it, it's actually like a steampunk rendition of these weird creatures that are kind of gas operated. Mm-hmm. And it's like a um, carnival, I guess you'd call it, yeah. where you go through and you see all the creatures in their cages. And uh, unfortunately, though, the the exhibit where they are is no longer caged. Uh, they don't attack you or anything, but they're just living throughout their life. Yeah. And uh, you just kind of experience them being around. Uh, I went with my sister. I wanted my dad to come with me. I thought he would have actually liked it because I kind of had an idea of what I was going into. Right. And I know that he loves mechanical stuff. And if he saw mm. that, he would absolutely start building this stuff at, my, at our place. <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't show up. He thought it would be a little too much for... The, what he like who he is i guess oh but, might have uh, been just a little too <laughs> too, too out outside there. of his comfort zone yeah but i really enjoyed it and uh we just... actually went to one of the bars that's just outside of it which is like an alien bar right and yeah i blended right in and even my sister was like oh my god like how do you blend in here mm. like you dress like a normal person but you fit in here how <laughs> do you do that you like you always do this <laughs> and my response is i don't know <laughs> it's just you just have that uh you have that that public camouflage where you're just able to just get into a crowd and just not stand out. Yep. Sucks you... for when I want to be picked out, but uh oh well. <laughs> yeah, well it might be good if you ever have to be a spy or something, I I'll guess. I'll change my name to Tad Strange cuz I'm so normal. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um <coughs> So I've seen, um, I don't know a lot of people that have seen Repo, the genetic opera. Um, so I don't really hear a whole lot about it in terms of how well it was received or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, do you know anything about if people like this or not? Oh, people despise this movie. <laughs> okay. I mean, I... it was actually very similar to the Rocky Horror Picture Show, where oh. a lot of people hated it because they didn't know. It wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. By all means, this is one of those movies where if you know who you are mm. and you know what you like, you're mm-hmm. probably not going to like this unless you're okay with lots of fake blood and gore and all that. And, right. and the, the, absolutely, this is totally for you. But if you're not sure, definitely give it a shot. And you might turn out you like it. It's it's a cult classic. Uh, it did very poorly. I think it only got like 180,000. Yeah, like not even 200,000 box office, even though it had a budget of 8.5 million. Yeah, but did it get a wide release, though? Not really. Uh, oh, okay. My guess is the release was very throttled because uh-huh. I don't think the person who is supposed to... So, like, the distributors probably just were like, who who are we marketing this to? Yeah, honestly, I think it would have done better if it was marketed basically the same way Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was. 
Ah, I see. Because a lot of people would have liked to see this. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that I know that have watched this and they're like, this is a, a good movie. It's I'm not going to watch it every single month. I feel like, this like is, I feel like this is absolutely something that among like my singer friends that this would be the movie that we have on in the background at a Halloween party. Absolutely, yes. Um, and also Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm used to seeing the uh, the first Evil Dead. Because yeah, yeah, the yeah. one Halloween party mm-hmm. I go to, that's the one movie that they always play. Yeah, but that's a classic too. Yes, I but mean, they literally play that on loop and they don't, they don't not loop it. <laughs> that's it. Just the one. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's a whole lot of other schlocky... <laughs> that's interesting because other parties that I've gone to they'll have like a catalog or something that they'll like go through and they'll change things out or whatever, you know, forever ago. And you'd just like put in a DVD or even a VHS tape. Yep. And then you'd have to put in the next one once the credits start rolling and things like that. I mean, I like evil dead, but I feel like it'd be kind of nice to have a little bit more variety. Yeah, but it's part of the aesthetic of their party. So Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. I mean, like I said, among my singer friends, we would probably put this on. or And also Rocky Horror Picture Show. But then you might have the problem of people start, you know, interacting and, you know, throwing their toast around and other things like that. Actually, that doesn't sound like a horrible thing to have happen at a party. Great Not to get really. everybody involved. <coughs> no, I think it'd be fine. Does, uh, does this... I get the feeling that since this seems to have so many parallels to Rocky Horror Picture Show, this must have a kind of interactive aspect to it. If it does, I'm not aware of it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just get I know the feeling. That, I know that uh, when it did come out, uh, originally this was actually a play. Ah, and uh, they once they got some funding in that and they were able to, the, the lead producer... Right. Right, so that um, was, I think that was, uh, like, Zdunich and, um, like, uh, probably Darren Smith as well. So Smith and Zdunich would have been, like, the original guys, right? Yeah, uh, they're the ones who actually made the screenplay for it and that. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, when they got some money in that and they kind of went out, they did a few shows in that, and they were able to, uh, they actually said, we want our cast and we're going to go for the people we want exactly. We don't want A-listers because... Probably like can't afford probably, it, yeah. and they probably don't want to do anything like this. So they they actually said that like we went. My first choice was uh, to go up to Anthony Head and say, and I pleaded to him, Anthony Head, please come do this, do this, please. And, then and he next said thing yes. You go, Anthony Head's starring for you. And then then after that, he wanted uh, Alexa Vega, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. She said, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do this because it's gonna break me from my yeah. Uh, I can spike it. Yeah, so yeah, honestly, like her, it's you know not too different from stuff like when Julie Andrews broke away from her like kid friendly image from doing Mary Poppins and um oh Sound of Music and those sorts of things. Yeah. And uh, same thing happened with Anne Hathaway and uh, just uh, you know like." Every, like, teenage star, specifically girls, seem to want to do something so they're just not pigeonholed as always being the kid or whatever. And considering that her Alexa Vega's breakout role was as Carmen in Spy Kids, yep. 
she needed something to break her away from that. And, yeah. Uh, by all means, this is she did a great job in this. Oh yeah, I I thought I thought everybody performed quite well. I know. Okay, so I know about even this. the conductor. Oh man! <laughs> oh my god! I would love to see a conductor make an entrance like that for the start of like whether it be a ballet or a symphony uh, concert or an opera. I would love to do that because the conductors always get applauded when they make their entrance. Like that is just what you do. That's that's just like part of one of those things that always happens when you go to the It's symphony. the etiquette. Yes, exactly. So I would love a conductor to do an entrance like that. I think that would be amazing. That's more of a that's more of a rock show thing. Like when I saw Disturbed Live, uh, right. they brought the lead singer out and uh, they actually brought him out on a uh, dolly <laughs> and he was strapped in a straitjacket. So they wheeled him out and they put him on stage and then they pulled the straitjacket off and they kind of ran off stage. And then the rest of the band broke out of the wall that was mm. put down <laughs> behind them with uh, sledgehammers and right. started. It's yeah. very much the same idea of like, I am the show. You don't yep. have to applaud me. I know what I'm here to do. Very, could I use the term posh? Ostentatious, maybe? Ostentatious, I think, is probably more what you're thinking. Um, I have been to a few concerts <coughs> that are like that as well. And again, I like it. I mean, I don't have any issues with, you know, the standard, you know, the, um, the orchestra is getting all tuned up and everything. And then the, the principal goes and fetches the conductor and the conductor comes out. Everybody applauds and... They bow and, you know, they get everybody to sit down and everything and then they start. But so, you know, that makes absolute sense if you're going to be doing some Mozart or, or something like that or, you know, some Mahler or whatever. But I get the feeling that if you have something like this and you're doing it as like a stage play or something, absolutely do something sort of like what they did in the film. I think that would be perfectly in line with what you're doing oh absolutely so i think that would be awesome <laughs> like i said i would love to see a conductor do that <laughs> um, i feel like uh i feel like uh this would speak to <clears throat> not now but the lead singer of panic at the disco oh yeah back when he was doing the the more emo style yeah panic yeah, disco, yeah yeah uh, what was like I write sins not tragedy. He actually hates that song now because it's, he had to play it so many times, and I don't blame him at all. That 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 would get very repetitive and oh, yeah. very dull. But he has that same sort of flair about him, mm -hmm. and that entire CD. Um, how come I can't remember the name of it right now? The only difference between a merodrome and a suicide is press coverage. Ah. Uh, uh, ha, 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 ha. I see. They they had long weird titles. Yes, yes. <laughs> like line is the most fun a girl can have with her pants on. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so Yep. I remember some of I didn't <laughs> listen to a lot of panic at the disco, but I I'm aware. It's interesting about so again, one of the things that I do know about this film was the fact that Paris Hilton was in this. And I think I remember it because she just like got she got destroyed slammed. by media and things like that for this. And watching this, I don't know what their deal was. I would not be surprised if they just did that because it's Paris Hilton and we still remember the simple life. 
and therefore Paris Hilton can't do anything good or anything that is like wholesome or has actual substance to it. To which I sit back and I'm like, wow, that's really mean and like needlessly harsh. Cause yeah, I would almost say that there's probably some sort of scandal behind it. Like she's being, uh, well, she's being purposefully slandered in slandered, that way. Yeah, because yeah, I totally agree. She played a very good character, considering that this was also this would have also been around the same time as like when Britney Spears shaved her head and all that other stuff that happened with her that. Uh, kept her in the news and everyone just kept talking about how she's a crazy person and things like that. It's just... And now that we're older, it just makes more sense why she did what she did. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, it's the same with Paris Hilton too because she was abused as well. Like, do you, you, do you know the thing about how she got sent to, like, one of those, like, behavior camps that rich people send their kids to to adjust them or whatever? Yeah. And she got sexually abused and everything there? Yep. Oh, yeah. So, like... All sorts of scandals all around it. Yeah. And even more interesting is the fact that apparently... I mean, I didn't know this because all I really knew at the time was her on The Simple Life. Apparently that persona that she put on was very much put on she's not that dumb and she's not that vapid in real life yeah but you know the press uh the media kind of paints a picture i mean take a look at other actors and actresses that have been totally vilified because they played a good villain i mean like there's a huge list of that and she just kind of she gets, you could throw that, that kind of character. You could throw her in with a bunch of that, unfortunately. And yeah. uh, the worst part is, like, you can't even say, like, hey, look, I was that good of a villain. It's it's more like, hey, look, I played that good of a dumb person. Here's the I thing. feel bad for her. I really Here's, do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is the other thing, too, is that, so again, because I'm pretty sure she, like, got a golden raspberry for this, or maybe she was nominated for it. I think she did actually get the Golden Raspberry for this. So, but when people say that she was the worst actress or the worst person in the film, and I said, they're going, really? I mean, uh, okay. If you thought that she was horrible because she was like terrible singer, had really bad presence or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't exactly say that. I would argue it. I'd completely argue that. Yeah, like because I didn't, I don't know. I I think she's saying this herself. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she did, and like she did a good job. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't like I would put her up better than a lot of female singers. I'm not always a huge fan of female singers, mm-hmm. and she did a good job. I I would listen to her her music if she did more stuff like this. Right, more stuff like this, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure she has like a pop album or something out there. But I'm not a pop. I'm not that '90s, 2000 pop era kind of guy. Exactly, so exactly. This was definitely more of a, a of a rock opera. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Um, oh, but I, I just pretty soon. <laughs> but I just mean in the sense of even just among people around there. Like, if we wanted to say that someone was not a great singer <laughs> or something then I would just immediately point to Bill Mosley, who did not sing, he just shouted, which is a thing. That is an accepted way to write around people maybe not having the greatest voice or whatever. And it happens quite a lot in opera. Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, God. (laughs) No, we don't need to... Three names right there, and... (laughs) 
all of them equate equate into something that we don't like. Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure he was in just an act to show like you don't need to actually sing to be a good singer. <laughs> and this is where all of a sudden we find out how many of our listeners are, you know, country fans or something. Well, I'm sorry you're Didn't wrong. Didn't you love Achy Breaky Heart? No. 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 I very much identify with the Weird Al song. <laughs> Just make it stop. Exactly. <laughs> you can play anything else, but if you play that again, oh, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but it's not going to be good. I will break speakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> I will deliberately find a way to blow them out. So... One uh, one final thing that just really struck me watching this is how much this reminded me of Deus Ex. You know the yeah, video you're games? absolutely yes. right. Oh yeah, uh, it definitely fits that almost steampunk aesthetic. Well, mm-hmm. also just everything about like the so I mean for anyone out there who hasn't played any of the Deus Ex games, um, one of the big things especially uh, is that. Um, a lot of the people that get modifications and they get cybernetics uh, implants and things like that, they are struck with a disease. I think I believe they call it the Gray Death in the first game and the like sequels to that one. And basically, it's your body rejecting the implants, and they need to take a drug in order to not die. And that drug is controlled by the Illuminati um, or, you know, effectively Gene Co. equivalent, right? And so not only are they the ones that are making the cybernetic implants, they're the ones that are effectively keeping people hooked on the drugs so that they can, you know, just be stuck forever in poverty. Yep. And it just like we're watching this and I'm sitting there going, holy crap. It's like someone really liked Deus Ex, but they wanted to make it, you know, about organs and stuff like that instead of about, you know, uh, trans, yeah, and transhumanism and that sort of thing. Even more so, and I almost wonder if someone really liked Repo, who was on the Human Revolution uh, dev team, because of the fact that in Human Revolution, uh, which came out in... 2011 i think was when that one came out so that one again is based like as a prequel to the first deus ex and they have this really funky aesthetic in terms of how everybody dresses which is supposed to be kind of a throwback to uh like victorian era or maybe even kind of like the elizabethan era so everyone's got like weird frilly collars and stuff like that it just it's weird because no one has dressed like that for hundreds of years. And that was how I felt watching this. I'm like, so suddenly we're in the future, but we're retro because we're wearing clothes that, you know, went out of style centuries ago. Don't you know? <laughs> we wear hoops because nobody likes hoops. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, again, <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying that necessarily that there are, you know, this one influenced that, that one influenced that. But it just stuck out to me as, wow, that's actually kind of interesting. I'm seeing parallels here and I think it's kind of cool. Well, one day we're going to go full circle and we'll bring back the togas. Yep, and and then my name will finally be relevant. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Is there anything else that uh, you wanted to get off your chest about this? 
Not really. It's uh, I I like the movie. I like the idea. I think the uh, the grave robber definitely stole the show, mainly because <laughs> he was a writer of it, and I think he yeah. had, probably had some of the best music of it too. But then, of course, the stole the show was stolen back when Paris Bible. Hilton's face falling off. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I liked. I liked Sarah Brightman's performance. Oh, she as was blind. She Meg. was great. Although I would definitely say that she was perhaps underutilized. But I also fear that maybe she would have just like asked for way more money than they could afford. <laughs> not necessarily that. I just think that she would have overshadowed everybody, and then it's just not fair anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean. She... You do have to share that stage, Cameron. Yes. As yes. much as you want to take it over, you must share it. Yes. I mean, she and Paul Sorvino were the only ones that were kind of like even making an attempt to sing in an operatic style, in a classical style. Perhaps because maybe they're the only two that, I guess, even have that kind of training. Paul Sorvino sang really well. I was not expecting him... If that was him, and I think it was, because there's nothing online saying about how the peop- the the people cast did not also sing themselves, and they probably couldn't have afforded to get people to sing over to dub them over. <laughs> and you probably would have noticed it as well. I think so too. But I was not expecting that, and he's got a really good voice. That was that was great he's a more gothic hidden version of uh, puddles pity party (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 um yeah so uh you know thanks for showing me this miles i'm glad that i finally was able to cross this one off my list that's great now we're gonna have a special uh treat for gareth oh oh what are we gonna show him this too (laughs) no we're gonna show him something a little bit on hmm Probably the same frequency, someone might say. Ah, okay. Well, we'll keep that under wraps until <laughs> that time. Uh, for now, I'm Miles. And I'm Cam. And we'll see you next time. We'll see ya. Industrialization has... Crippled the globe. Enjoy Gene Co's day and nighttime formula.